This program is sponsored by Wicked, Chronic, and Natick, Massachusetts. Located at 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. Welcome back to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled television shows in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And we are still in quarantine 2020, gearing towards the end of it. So if you're listening to when we recorded this, or if you're listening to this in the future, that's pretty much where we are. And we're going to continue our coverage of Witchblade on the Dead TV Podcast with these next two episodes. Uh, season 2, Episode 4, Consectiacio. Obsessed with his feelings for Sarah and driven by the evil spirit of the late Kenneth Irons, Ian Nottingham contracts with a group of deadly assassins, the Black Dragons, who were his former Special Forces unit to murder Sarah. Originally aired June 24, 2002. And now, con- what does Consectiacio Tadio, whatever it was, mean the act of striving after the eager pursuit of something. Yes. I don't know uh, if I would use something often, in the definition of a word, but that's okay. Well, most often, this is used in the phrase "consectatio excelente," which means in pursuit of excellence. So this is basically taking that uh, uh, the form "consectatio" to be the like, the keen pursuit of something, and so this whole, whole episode is about pursuing Sarah. So the dragons are pursuing Sarah, and uh, that's the title. And we have Peter Mensch returning as um, Mobius, because he's alive again. Yeah, so we saw him in episode two of season one, uh, or or as first aired, uh, the first aired episode of season one. And this is the that was the episode where he kind of goes a little more psycho crazy with the actual dragon symbology and attacks uh, Kenneth Irons. So now that Kenneth Irons is actually dead in this timeline, he didn't have that triggering episode. Correct. Funny enough, when we get done with this recording, I am going to be interviewing his co-star of the television series Spartacus. Liam McIntyre, who took over for the original actor who played Spartacus uh, due to uh, getting, uh, unfortunately, getting uh, cancer twice and it, and it getting him off the show uh, to the point that he had to be completely recast. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, uh, Spartacus uh, had one season with one actor and then the, uh, he got cancer. Uh, he got blood cancer, actually, I believe and uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma disease, and they decided to make a prequel series in order to give him time to recover, 
and uh, unfortunately, uh, right after he announced at Comic Con that he was he was back, and everyone was like, "Woo, he's back!" He got re-diagnosed again, and then he shortly died thereafter. Andy Whitfield was the actor's name who played the first Spartacus. Um, Liam McIntyre ended up replacing him in seasons uh, two and three, technically three and four, depending on where you want to stick, you know, season zero. So, but the last shot of the whole show during the credits, when they go through all the actors who had been in the show, is. Uh, is of uh, Andy uh, hurling up his sword and gauntlet or whatever, and his wife supposedly put together a documentary about about him or whatever and stuff like that. Anyway, so yeah, so he's tied to Spartacus, and I have an actor who replaced Spartacus coming on the show. Oh, congrats! But uh, yeah, Andy Whitfield was uh, could have could have had a big actor. But Peter uh, again has been in multiple things, and we've talked about it before. Like uh, he was on Agents of Shield, and recently, and. Uh, he is in post production as the blind master uh on as uh the blind master is snake eyes apprentice in uh the mythos of g i joe um originally played in the last two movies by uh Riza from uh wu Tae clan yeah cool so um and 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 uh, yeah the snake eyes movie has been in development hell for a while but it's now in post production, so I guess they got it filmed before the quarantine. So yeah, yeah, he's a, such a good actor. I I watched this episode and then I watched the season two episode with him back to back. Oh, you did? I did because it seemed to me that in this episode Mobius was very sane. You know, he he was very controlled. <clears throat> yes. By the way, also Lazar shows up at the weirdest time ever when stairs running up the stairs. Yeah, he's he's popping up in in these episodes. Um, so Mobius is very controlled, and it seems that <clears throat> it seems that uh, that Mobius, his pursuit of uh, Kenneth Irons in that uh, season one episode seemed to almost be that he was triggered by something, and then that gave a willingness to pursue. Uh, Kenneth Irons, because they hadn't actually met in person uh, for this family reunion until this season two, episode four. So previously, in that whole uh, chase scene in the the season one episode, you see the two other bikers, the, the two other Black Dragons uh, uh, teammates, along with Mobius, in that motorcycle chase with Sarah Pizzini. Now, Mobius shoots Sarah, but you know, bullet time happens, and the bullet kind of goes underneath her and misses her completely. Uh, Sarah Pizzini and Mobius do this bullet time move where you can see the bullet is just passing right underneath Sarah, just barely missing her. In that episode, there's a lot of talk about Mobius being the dragon, you know, in talking about the black dragon, just being the dragon, and how the dragon's breath being kind of, uh, you know, the, the force of life spoken in this episode. So there's a lot of crossover between these two because, of course, we're having the same type of mythos. In the first, ep- first season episode, he's talking about himself being the dragon, and on the this se- second season episode, he's talking about the roles that he plays as far as well as Ian Not- uh, Nottingham plays in the role with Sarah in the um, story of Gilgamesh. So it seems to be very different, but depending on what actually separated the timelines, uh, why is Mobius more pissed off in the first timeline than the second timeline? 
Um, if we found that out, we could possibly solve the puzzle of the witch plane. <laughs> so Mobius uh, basically's time frame got moved around a little bit because of what Sarah did. Um, this is indicative also of the fact that they were not going to get to the White Bulls plotline. I heard, I read until season three, mm. because of Sarah's mucking around with uh, time. Time, uh, the the entire White Bulls plotline got pushed back as well um, to help rebuild that up. So we haven't seen Joe at all this season either. I uh, wanted to point out, um, and I don't remember Sarah having a date with anyone named Andy previously. No, uh, that's a completely new character. So Andy shows up, and uh, this actor pretty much disappeared right after making this episode of Witchblade, but his career went, started in 1988, but uh, it just kind of falls off the map, doesn't really have anything else credits to his name. One of those very unusual Hollywood stories where something happened and nobody updated his IMDb, so nobody has any information on whether or not he's alive or dead. But he was in a movie that was on uh, Shudder, and I believe it's still on Shudder with Joe Bob Briggs, uh, Demon Wind. He plays Dell in that, and uh, I remember the Demon Wind VHS box. Um, you uh, had a uh, circuit board in it, so you press the Demon Wind's chest and it would make like a whooshing sound. And it recently, just came out on Blu-ray. This movie is terrible, by the way. <laughs> this is a terrible movie, but this is uh, this is Sarah's date. This guy, the uh, the Black Dragons. We've already discussed their entire information. You want to go back to I think the second or third episode we talk about. Um, and Ian's stalking of Sarah gets a little bit uh, crazy, ridiculous, yeah. kind of all over the place, and, and basically he's now sounding and sounding, uh, looking like Kenneth Irons. I don't understand how he's looking like Kenneth Irons. He still has really long hair, and it's not platinum blonde like Kenneth was, so I didn't quite get that what Sarah was said, but he is definitely sounding like Kenneth Irons, mainly because he, I think we learned that he was a clone of Kenneth. It's not clear, clear to me whether he was a clone because there are clones of Ian out there, you know, right? The scientists keep, you know, whatever. Which I don't think we he have was not a clone ex- of Kenneth. I I do think that he was a clone that he was created using Kenneth's DNA, which is different. And there's a bunker full of Ian clones that we haven't even gotten back to yet. Uh, that we got yeah. to at the end of the last season because the the good Ian died, and then the uh, he was replaced with a uh, super Ian that uh, will pretty it's much die. Very violent and got killed as well after killing Jake McCarthy. So and then time reset. So, um, but Ian seems to have Kenneth's connection to the Witchblade. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and in this episode, very beginning, you know, towards the beginning, we see uh, the cut-off hand of Kenneth Irons, kind of floating in a, a liquid vase, and Ian reaches in and the hand grabs him. There is so much that is psychological going on in this episode and the next one that it's hard to tell whether Kenneth Irons' actual hand grabbed him is supposedly to mimic a demon possession that they're kind of illustrating with the story of Gilgamesh, or this is just Ian's twisted-up imagination because his mind is fucked from all the uh, Black Dragon training. I don't know. Not quite clear on that. Ian has flashbacks with Kenneth Irons, and they flip a turtle on its back. You're not supposed to do that. What the fuck? <laughs> Bad turtle handler. Whoever is on set handling that turtle. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if there was actually no turtle handler on set. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, who plays young Ian Nottingham in these scenes? Because he looks very familiar, but not as the way he is now. He is Eric Cabrell, but he's not credited. 
Okay, so he's not who I thought he was. Um, his career pretty much doesn't have anything on it worth talking about. But I thought this was young Guillermo from What We Do in the Shadows, the TV series. Oh, that would have been cool. He looks very similar. Looks very similar, similar yes. Person. Like, he definitely could have been uh, him much older uh, filled out. And the age probably would have fit, too, if he was very young in the early 2000s. So... He'd be yeah. in his, like, early 30s or so, which is what the actor from What We Do in the Shadows is. But, nope, it's not him. This is a throwaway nobody actor. <laughs> it's pretty much... Oh, no, no one is throwaway. They're just... But they're just... They, they don't have anything... They don't have anything on the show, really. <laughs> yeah. So, in, in this episode, the comparison between Sarah being Saren, you know, a character within the Gilgamesh stories... That Gilgamesh is an epic poem, um, epic poem or collection of poetry uh, from the Sumerian uh, times. You know, like, and the dates that he says were accurate, so it's uh, 21st century BC. So all that that Gabriel says is completely accurate on that. He just kind of shortens it into a bite-sized snippet for it for everyone. Also, young Ian seems to play stab games with Kenneth Irons. Very weird. Uh, my dad would take me to the car- park to go, you know, to throw a ball, I guess, in the Nottingham family, the Kenneth Irons family. You just stab your father and then, you know, heal up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah they they kind of don't really say the conclusion of that. You know, Kenneth gets stabbed and, you know, that's it. Just a, a childhood memory. And memory. Sarah gets alternate reality flashbacks uh, and sees what happened in the previous season with Mobius. Um, also, Danny does a montage training for no reason other than to see Danny with his shirt off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why don't we get to see Nancy Butler with her shirt off? Don't we see enough of her midriff? Uh, I think uh, I think tit for tat. I think it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> can't see. Uh, we can see a man's nipples. Can't see a woman's nipples. I'm just calling and foul. Danny did look really good working out too. Yeah. Wish I had his abs. <laughs> but uh, then we get uh, Ian a meeting with Mobius. Ian versus Mobius all slow motion because this came out after the Matrix and everyone had to be like the Matrix. Mobius beats Ian and then um, Sarah beats uh, Mobius and saves Ian. Then that was pretty much how I wrote my notes down. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I have a little bit more. Uh, yeah, so let's see. One second. Can't be much more because this episode I think was I thought was pretty much a throwaway. Well, yeah. Possibly. Uh, okay, so there's this one scene where Ian is in the precinct, precinct parking lot, and he is explaining to her how he is sorry that he put the hit out on her, and can she ever forgive him and stuff like that. And you know he collapses to his knees and you know, you know grasps her hand tightly, and and her she looks up and looks around very embarrassingly, and I had to laugh out loud severely because I have been in that exact same place that she has been where someone has just collapsed down in front of me like please mistress I, I beg I can serve you please I will do anything you want and, uh, la, la, la. and you know I'm just like okay, I, I don't have time for this just uh, you know, you're embarrassing me you know get out of my sight <laughs> and that's exactly what Sarah is going through and to have that moment personally for me I, I was rolling I had to stop the film and laugh for a good five minutes about that just that level of patheticness that Ian is, is trying to do, and yet he is the one that actually put the hit out on her. That's what you deal with a lot, a level of patheticness? I wouldn't say a lot, but it is there. 
the um the uh, the people just throw themselves at you and they're just like, Oh mistress Oh, back in my heyday I would get that a lot. Nowadays uh, I'm more of a party organizer, so I don't really get that so much. I'm sure there's still people throwing themselves at you on certain websites. Oh yeah, and you open up your, your email and you get a whole bunch of requests. But, yeah, that's pretty much all the notes I have for this episode. Uh, Take a quick break, and we will jump right into the next one after these promo breaks here on the Dead TV Podcast. I love the smell of commerce in the morning. Why are we at the mall? Listen, we just spent an entire season hanging out at Quick Stop on the Jay and Silent Bob Minute, and I thought we could use some new scenery. But why the mall? It has everything we need. A cookie stand, a magic eye poster, and Stan Lee. It would be better if Batman was here. Ben Affleck is here. <sighs> I guess that's close enough. If you've enjoyed this witty banner, please join us this season on Jane Silent Bob Minute as we discuss Kevin Smith's mall rats. Snoochie boochies. We will figure out why this original opening exists, why Shannon Doherty keeps changing outfits, and why that kid is back on the escalator again. So join us for all the chocolate covered pretzels you can eat. On Jane Silent Bob Minute on Dueling Genre. And we're back with Static, not the DC comic superhero, on the next episode of the Dead TV Podcast. Season 2, Episode 5, Static, originally aired July 1st, 2002. When a rock star meets his untimely demise, Sarah and Danny are called in on a series of strange homicides. But when Sarah discovers that the killer is using a trail of mayhem to lure her into a trap, her investigation turns into a fight for the Witchblade. This was okay. This was a pretty decent detective episode. Um, only be, I'm only going to mention it now instead of like when it comes across in the notes, is that there's a poster on the wall for Conkabar. Signaling Conkabar will be returning to the show. Yeah, I was actually uh, thinking that this episode might be Conkabar being the rock star that's referred to, but I was very happy that it wasn't. No, he'll uh, he he comes he comes up uh, he he does return, but I was also suspecting that possibly he would be in the episode, but no. Um, also, for some reason, IMDb lists uh, okay for whatever reason, Danny's in the credits, but he's not in the episode. I don't understand that. How do you put one of your main characters? He's not. I mean, he was a ghost in every episode last time, so all of a sudden he's just not there. Where is Danny? Uh, he is contractually obligated to be on the credits. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I just don't get it. It's just, it's it's really shitty writing. You just have one of your main characters not appear in the episode. There's only th- there's only four main characters on the show, or five if you count Gabriel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Gabriel, Ian Nottingham, Jake, Sarah, and Danny. That's really it. And Kenneth, but Kenneth is no longer. Kenneth is dead, so that's fine. But and he that was fine in the previous season. Um, yeah. They also list on IMDb Danny, the actor who plays Danny Wu's daughter, uh, Emmy Yaguchi Chow, and it's just like again that character does not appear in the episode whatsoever. Uh, I mean, Vicky seems to be more of a main character this season. Yeah. Uh, maybe there was some uh, footage that was cut that was supposed to be there. I don't know. Uh, Sarah questions the, is questioning Destiny and about herself in a voiceover by uh, Ian Nottingham, but we have the rock star played by... I 
Cormac clearly? Is that Max Tone? Is that the rock star? Yeah, Max Tone. Okay. Uh, only credit to his name is this is this episode. And he wants two Coronas and two Yoo-Hoo's. Does he? Do you think he mixes them together? I hope not. <laughs> That's gross. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can have, like, chocolate liquor. There is that. Um, I don't recommend it. I don't like the taste of it. Um, did you, uh, did you know, I had no idea that, uh, excessive amounts of, like, like, any type of dieting, alcohol, you should completely cut out of your diet? Yes, because alcohol, uh, turns into sugars. Does that include wine? Yes. Wow. All alcohol. Any and all alcohol. All alcohol, all carbohydrates, they will eventually turn into sugar into your bloodstream. Wow. But sugars, alcohols do it much faster, therefore uh, generating a spike in glucose and therefore, you know, causing you to either feel hungry or get hungry soon. Uh, Metabolism raises for that small amount of time and then crashes, you know, usual stuff. So two yoo-hoos and two Coronas would definitely not be good for a diet. No, you wouldn't want to. Eat that for a diet? No. Uh, the actor who plays Lorelai, his girlfriend, uh, Gabrielle Ashery, this is pretty much it for her, um, she's in one movie with Mandy Moore, How to Deal, Dixie Cup Girl, I don't know what that means, but Lorelai's name reminds me of, uh, I wrote it down as Lorelai, L-O-R-I-L-E-Y, and it's actually spelled L-O-R-E-L-I-L-O-R-E-L-E-I. Lorelai's name also reminds me of the buxom blonde assistant to the main villain in Superman 3. Oh. That evil Superman rescues from the top of the Statue of Liberty and then bangs. Oh, I I think I can see the resemblance. Not really. (laughs) No? No. The Lorelai is the 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 girlfriend of the of the guy, the guy who gets killed. To be honest, I haven't seen Superman three in like. Okay, Lorelai in Superman three is also white with like long blonde hair and kind of a ditz, pretending to be a ditz, but she's actually super intelligent. And then she's got like re- ridiculously revealing cleavage most of the movie. Okay. Not the same as the character who kills herself because the. You know the the villain yeah. whispers even to though, her. Even though she was a very cute girlfriend and she's very adorable, I think you know in her face and form. But uh, yeah, no, she commits suicide by falling off a building because of subliminal messaging from a um, the sexy psychiatrist who happens to be basically like Two Face. She's got like a goth side and a light side. Did you notice yeah. that? She, okay, yeah. so one half of her apartment is all decked out in like. It, it, the beginning of the episode does not set it up very well to be like, well, gee, it's the bellhop. Oh, no, it's the psychiatrist. Could it possibly be the psychiatrist? And then they show, like, the two different views of the apartments, but it's it's not very hard to not pick up that, oh, it's the same person. Um, and she has one side of her apartment that's, like, all white and clean, and the fireplace is filled with firewood. Why would you put all the firewood in the fireplace? I, I don't know. I, I did like the goth style that she had. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Very sexy goth style. Yeah. Little tightly wound psychiatrist by day, Mrs. Zeneca at night. <laughs> Except for Mrs. Zeneca's not telling her masses of followers falling at her feet to kill themselves. No, no, I'm not. I'm not uh... If you love me, you'll kill yourself for me. Yes, mistress. Plunge. <laughs> 
Oh, here, drink this punch. No, no, I don't do that. No, 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 no. But, yeah, I'm, like, looking at that fireplace going, is this, like, an art thing? Is this supposed to be cool? This looks so stupid. Why would you put all of the firewood in the fireplace? You'd have to take it all out again to light a fire. It's decorative. It looks stupid. Yes, but it's decorative. It's not decorative whatsoever. It's, like... It, it looks like the dumbest piece of art I have ever seen in my life. Dumb art is still art. <laughs> no, it's not. It's freaking dumb. <laughs> then you explain why there's a toilet in a museum. Yeah. What do you mean a toilet in a museum? There's a very famous piece of artwork that's actually basically a urinal turned on its side. And it is representative of the found um, artwork movement where... You can take a piece, something that you find in the world, and then put it on display, and that is now art. Okay, I'm going to so take this water bottle that I just drank. Rip the label off so that way I don't get copyright sued, and yeah. that that I'll make a million dollars off. I don't understand that kind of artwork. Well, someone put a banana and duct taped it to the wall, and that was a piece of artwork that sold. So. Oh, my God, that is the dumbest thing. I know real artists who kill themselves putting actual effort into art and people are just picking up garbage and being like, look what I did. It's like Homer Simpson in that episode, which is the whole point of that episode is they're making fun of art. I, I know, I know. And it's a it great frustrates the shit out of me because I know so many artists and I'm friends with so many artists that are killing themselves in their art. Well, we can debate if it's not art or is it art till the cows come home because many uh, an artistic person has. My show! It's not art! <laughs> I am the master and commander of this podcast. No, I don't want an art history lesson. We're going to move on with the episode. Come at me, bros. I don't care. It's not art. So Gabriel has a commercial, which is ridiculous. Did we look up Talus Maniac? Does it still exist or is it some porno website now? No, it does not exist. Okay. Some of the people he mentions that he has stuff for include uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, who supposedly killed JFK, Catherine the Great, who got her head chopped off, right? Am I thinking of the right one? Uh, I don't remember. Marilyn Monroe. We all know her. Famous model, famous actress. That's pretty much it, right? Marilyn Monroe is not really known for anything else other than being a famous model and actress. Am I wrong? Right. Okay. Just want to make sure. Golgotha. That's a thing from the Bible. That's a place from the Bible, right? Uh, bad shit happened there. Had, and he also had Jimi Hendrix's first guitar. Yes, but who was the first person he mentions? He says it so quick. I, I didn't actually write it down because uh, he does says it so, say it so quick. I just have Sir here. Oh, uh, okay. So I also noticed that next to the human skulls, um, and it, they are right next to them. So the human skulls are on a shelf. What is on the floor as soon as Sarah walks in? Oh, I didn't notice. Golf bag. <laughs> With golf Golf clubs. bag? With golf clubs. So Gabriel has human skulls on a shelf, and then on the floor next to the door is a golf bag with golf clubs. Whether or not they're his, I doubt it because they never show him play golf. So no, I, I, think that, I think a golf bag was referenced in a previous episode, um, the episode where she gets the drum set uh, set up in his place. Oh, does I he say the they're like Bagger Vance's? Don't remember that detail, but I do think it was mentioned before. Right next to the human skulls, we also have a tin toy of a scuba diver. Yeah, I don't know what's the up with that. The set decorating of this of of Gabriel's shop makes no sense whatsoever. It's like watching Birds of Prey last night, which is just 
fucking terrible, okay? I don't care. At me. I don't care. Birds of Prey is terrible, okay? It's as bad as Suicide Squad. Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn is probably the only highlight, and that's still stretching it. So many things wrong with Birds of Prey. This is not the podcast to get into it. They have, in the grocery store scene where she's buying groceries, all the dog food directly across from the cereal boxes. Hmm. In the same aisle as the Pepto-Bismol that she needs to get the kid to drink, otherwise... She's got to cut her open. All in the same aisle, huh? All in the same aisle. Yeah, <laughs> Next to the, cult, the, cut, the cutlery, because she after she hands her the Pepto-Bismol, not the Pepto-Bismol, the uh, X-Lax, the stuff to get her to crap, uh, she's like, you're either going to do that or we're going to use this. And then she pulls out the knife. <laughs> so you got two choices to get that diamond out of your system. You either shit it out or I'm going to cut you open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What I love is at the end of Gabriel's commercial, as ridiculous as it is, he's doing this, like, moving cam tour of his facility. Uh, he, sa- he holds up a Cupid doll and says, because my nipples are dry and he needs food, and holds a Cupid doll as if, you know, buy my stuff because I got this baby. It's completely ridiculous and hilarious, and if this video were on the Internet, I would definitely share it. Guy in the police store has a gun. Sorry, guy in the police store. Guy in the police station has a gun. Uh, Sarah yells out, gun, but then the Witchblade uses telekinesis, according to Ian Nottingham, to stop the gun from shooting anybody. Yeah, stops it, and then it uh, kind of flips the gun back on him and shoots him. Interesting trick. Never did that before. I was expecting her to Witchblade up and then wipe everyone's memory clean going back to the day she saved Danny. <laughs> yeah. Now, Dr. Chris, who do you believe is uh, Cyber Faust? Is that Lazar? I thought it was going to. We don't, gonna, have, any, we don't I, have any clue in this episode yet. I wasn't sure if you were asking about Cyber Faust today. I thought maybe that was the V for Vendetta guy that shows up online. <laughs> well, uh, Gabriel is getting information from Cyber Faust, and it seems to be very. Oh, I also thought maybe that was Ian Nottingham. It could be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so either Lazar or Ian Nottingham. In the comic books, there is no Lazar, as far as I can remember. There is an old Chinese guy called the Curator, who is the one that um, Sarah goes to, uh, introduced in Ron Mars's run. And uh, Sarah has a case that involves him, and then she keeps going back to him for information because he points out the Witchblade to her. And she's just like, how do you know what that is? And he's just like, well, why don't you come back and we'll talk about it sometime. And then, of course, she's finally like, okay, you're the only person who knows anything about this that I, can, that I either can or can't trust. What the hell is the Witchblade? And that's when he, cocoon, he, he basically activates the Witchblade and puts her into a cocoon created by the Witchblade that takes her in a journey going all the way back to when the Witchblade fell to Earth to the first mm. cave woman. He is also the uh, main antagonist of the curator artifact storyline that involves all the various different artifacts. So I wonder if that Ron maybe based that guy off of this guy, because I don't know who Lazar is, and I don't remember if we get to his backstory coming up uh, before the series ends. So I do love Sarah's line about, you have to dig deep not to let the darkness of human nature corrupt you. Maybe not exactly what she says, but... Um, very relevant to crap with cops going on today. Yeah. Uh, Ian also has another one of those creepy moments where he calls her and then appears from behind the pillar because he's standing right there. 111 jumpers in New York in in that year, and 17 of them were women? God, I wonder what the... uh, do, Do people seriously jump off buildings to commit suicide these days still? 
Well, the Golden Gate Bridge is one of the uh, most prevalent suicide places for people. Still? I thought they had that Still. place under lockdown. Well, uh, they did put some nets underneath, and they do have it on constant monitoring, and there's people that volunteer to help people that are contemplating suicide by jumping. Okay, uh, but there I was going to say. There is, a, there is a documentary on the suicides off the Golden Gate Bridge called The Bridge. According to an article here from 2019, the Telegram Gazette, which is the local Worcester, Massachusetts newspaper where we record Radio of Horror, the Dead TV podcast, uh, somebody jumped off a building on Front Street uh, last year, last October. Oh, wow. Happens everywhere. Yeah, didn't realize that. A famous director committed suicide jumping off that bridge. Oh, who? Tony Scott. Oh, I didn't realize. Really, Scott's uh, brother. Wow. They said it was a string of, like, possibly cancer, possibly he was transgender, couldn't come out. I think that was displaced, dismissed as well. I believe it was confirmed he did have cancer. A lot of bad career choices recently. Like, a lot of his movies have just been kind of, eh, you know what I mean? So, but, uh, yeah, I never really followed up on the death of Tony Scott's aftermath too, too much. This reminds me that the psychiatrist chick, Dr. Granger, uh, who's seeing Sarah, kind of reminds me of Birds of Prey, the TV series. Uh, Helena, Helena Kyle, uh, who is the daughter of Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, um, mm-hmm. and don't ask me how the hell that even works at the timeline, because like, Cat, cause, like she's supposed to be the daughter of Bruce Wayne and Catwoman. This woman is clearly in her early 20s, like, and she has like a job as a bartender. So she has to be over 21 at least in Gotham City. It's like, how long ago did Catwoman and Batman sleep together? How long ago did the Joker kill Catwoman? How long ago did Batgirl get killed, uh, paralyzed by the Joker? Because this actress, this character, none of the, like, a lot of, like, the time just doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? But long mm-hmm. story short, she's seeing a psychiatrist, and in every episode, she goes to her psychiatrist's office to talk about what happened in the episode, or talk about her feelings about learning her dad is really Bruce Wayne, and he's disappeared for years, and her mother was killed by the Joker, not revealing the identity of either one. But the doctor she is talking to is Dr. Harleen Quinzel, oh, okay. who is basically uh, trying to uh, uh, concoct a plan to get the revenge on uh, Batman. Um, because the Joker's been, like, shutted away in some underground prison forever and ever. So you're seeing the the duality in that therapist, you know, Harley, and, and you're seeing that in the duality in this therapist, where she's both the goth girl, Audrian, and Dr. Anna Granger. Right, being the bad girl. Uh, I mean, yeah. also, I mean, this can apply to anything. I'm just trying to stick to comic books related. On Lucifer, one of the main characters is, is the psychiatrist on Lucifer. She's Lucifer's psychiatrist, actually. In fact, she sleeps with Lucifer, and then later on sleeps with um, uh, um, uh, Asmodel, Lucifer's uh, brother, huh. and has gives birth to uh, uh, a Nephilim. They don't write that character very well in the very beginning, and the actress was very thankful because they made her very, like, overly horny, love-struck, sleeping around with everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. They got better with that character a lot more. Uh, but when she first meets Lucifer, she's just, like, hornballs, hornballs every five minutes. Basically the grandson of the, the grandson of God. <laughs> yeah. And, and God's a jerk in that one. Uh, it's debatable, because I don't think of Neil Gaiman as a jerk. And in the one episode in season three, he he explains a lot of his actions for the why he does the way he does for his son. Well, if if there weren't other podcasts doing Lucifer, I'd be happy to do Lucifer one time. But it's not canceled. It's 
season five's yep. coming to Netflix, and they, in fact, they they want to do a season six. Really? <laughs> yes, they Netflix wow. announced that the, the 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 views on season four were so good they want to do a sixth season. It's up for debate will that happen? Lucifer the comic book series just got canceled, unfortunately. Um, okay. So they're ending it in a black label graphic novel. We got to wrap this up though because my interview is actually at seven. I totally lost track of time. Uh, but <laughs> okay. what I was trying to say was uh, this also reminds me very much of Videodrome, the way she's talking to the TV and the TV's like. I don't know, giving her subliminal messages or something like that? The illustration of the static over the TV, um, I think that's supposed to illustrate her being in touch with the other side of her personality. But why did Sarah get flashes of static when the, the goth girl passed her? I, I don't know. I think she's picking up that discordance in that lady's mind. And then the, the very end of the episode leaves, leaves us off with the quote about, um, you know, what do you do when... You know, are the voices in your head mean means that you're crazy? And uh, the answer from the therapist is, well, that depends on the voices. Uh, that depends on the voices they are hearing. Also, Ian is just going more and more crazier because he's like talking to the painting of Sarah. I just don't get what is going on with him. Is it like I don't remember quite what happens to him at the very end? Kenneth Irons returns in some capacity, but I can't remember if it's like through him that it happens. Mm. Um, a couple things in Sarah's apartment that make no sense. What the hell is she doing with three silver bowling pins? They've never indicated Sarah is like this bowling fan. Uh, I don't know. Juggling, maybe? Maybe she's into <laughs> juggling? Maybe maybe Gabriel gave her... I remember Gabriel had three bowling pins, but they were regular-looking bowling pins, three of them, which are the standard to use for juggling. Mm-hmm. But they weren't silver, uh, I want Sarah's refrigerator, though. That's cool. The clear see-through refrigerator glass? Yeah. I don't know why I think that's cool. You would definitely need to keep your refrigerator clean, because if you have guests over, they're going to see oh everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the spilled barbecue sauce that's dripped into the crisper tray, yeah. You right. Know, you just show that off. <laughs> I don't get what the dimensional portal was. That was really stupid and looked awful. Yeah, in, in that big fight, uh, uh, the floor opens up. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't uh, have any I, mystical I powers. She's just a psychopath. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, whatever. I, maybe that's illustrating the break in her mind. Maybe. I thought maybe that was the Witchblade, and I rewatched it, and I was like, nope, the Witchblade didn't do that because Sarah's the, one, the victim in that scene. Yep. If she got killed, she'd be the victim. She's, the, she's, the, she's on the defense in that scene. She's not the victim. She's on the defense in that scene. So whatever. Weird episode, but not bad. Um, not a bad episode. A lot of the weird supernatural-ish stuff that it could be, uh, you know, an illustration of something else, but... Otherwise, the, the characters that they're showing don't really have supernatural powers like Sarah does with the Witchblade. And uh, a little muddled. Tamara Gorski played uh, Dr. Granger, and she was uh, – I remembered her distinctly. Uh, she wasn't in the previous season, right? No. No, she was not. But she was, um, she was on Hercules' The Legendary Journey as Norma Bates. I wonder if that is a bad typo on IMDb, but okay. But she's uh, best known for being a Canadian actress from The Kids in the Hall. I remember her distinctly as, um, by the way, she plays girl at bar a lot because in Die For Murder at 1600, she's like girl at bar, young woman at bar. She's Rebecca Lowell on Angel. Did you ever see Angel, the TV series? Ah, yes, for a time. I think I saw the first season. Okay, so in the first season, there's an episode where a young actress... um, 
young. <laughs> 38 is no longer young, I guess, but a young an actress who is in her 30s, who's not getting the parts anymore, um, needs Angel to protect her from somebody who's out to kill her. They come to find out it's actually her agent trying to drum up interest for her. Over the course of Angel protecting her, she discovers Angel, of course, is a vampire, and she wants Angel to turn her into a vampire, and she drugs Angel to get him to do it, and it ends up triggering him as Angelus. And there is a great scene where he, like grabs her by the hair, drags her across the floor, cracks open one of his blood vial things and starts pouring it into her mouth, asking her how much she likes the taste of it. Wow. It's kind of hot, but... (laughs) (laughs) And then she she goes running into Cordelia and and Wesley's arms and just like, I I thought I'd give him something to loosen him up, and Cordelia's like, what did you give him? (laughs) He can't be happy! And then, of course, later on, Angel starts mocking her acting from the earlier in the episode or whatever and making fun of her and Wesley, and it's hilarious as Angelus. And then at the end of the episode, they have him tied to the bed, and they leave him there, and during the credits, you hear him, like, calling out their names. Guys, are you going to untie me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this actress also has been in another production that we have uh, reviewed, Friday the 13th of the series. She was in the episode Night Prey as a hooker. Okay. Uh, I remember Night Prey. I just don't remember the, what. I think there were multiple hookers that got killed off. I think so, too. But and, that was in 1989. It was her first acting gig. Oh, wow. She was also on Dracula series as Alexa Singleton in two episodes. I remember this girl. She tries to seduce the young female teenage character into becoming her new little, you know... Uh, you know, what else would you need a young teenage girl for as an apprentice to become a vampire? I think, honestly, if I can remember as far back as my memory can go, this is my first exposure to anything with subtle hints of lesbianism because she's very, like, vampire seductive to the young girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Nothing overly inappropriate. It's, you know what I mean? It it, it was a half-hour show on syndication, but even in the 1990s, they didn't cross certain lines. Um, yeah. But I do remember her in those two episodes because she has a very distinct look to her. Very beautiful. Very. Good. Very. Probably could have had her on the show if I tried to look her up a little bit more. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of fun with her in that episode. So uh, that's all the time we have here on the Dead TV Podcast. Check us out on the Dead TV Podcast on Facebook. Also, if you want to send us an email at thatradiohorror at gmail.com, you can. And you can find us on our individual Twitters at ChristySAV. And at Elegantly Kinky. And we hope everyone is safe in quarantine and whatever else is going on in your lives right now. We'll be back in two weeks for the next two episodes of Witchblade on the Dead TV Podcast. Good night. Mm-hmm.